0: I remember I was talking to this one guy. He's like, I've been in this place so many times. I've been in so many of these places. I know you don't belong here. I really wish I had never met you.
1: This is the head on your shoulders. I'm Maura Curry. We're continuing our special mini-series on tech students at the Ridgeview Institute this week with a story from Christine. When I announced this project on Reddit, she emailed me and asked if we'd be talking about Ridgeview, to which I responded that I would really like to, and I think we need to, but I wasn't sure how I'd like to go about it yet. So I asked her to wait, and she did, and lo and behold, we finally met a few weeks ago. Turns out she lives across the street from me. While she's a student in the College of Sciences, she's also a phenomenal storyteller, and even when I was reading through the initial bits and pieces she sent me, I was blown away by the humor and grace with which she tells the story, which, for your reference, contains descriptions of a mental hospital, drug addicts, and some talk about anxiety and loneliness. Unlike John Doe, she wasn't involuntarily transported using a 1013 form or the police. She went to the counseling center during a panic attack and left in a taxi. I'll let her take it from here.
0: So I went to the counseling center to get help with a pretty bad anxiety attack, and within 15 minutes, the counselor that I had seen, who was probably my age, honestly, he told me that, you know, he wanted me to think about maybe going to a hospital for a night, maybe two, and he told me that I could see it as a little vacation, and, you know, just take my mind off things, calm down, just so I wouldn't be alone through that, and Next thing I knew, I was in a taxi, you know, texting my mom, I'm being
1: hospitalized. But they didn't thirteen you, right? No, like no, okay, it was completely voluntary. Okay, and did you feel like it was voluntary?
0: No. Okay. Uh, I was, you know, panic attacks for me usually not last 30 to 45 minutes, and I was in and out of his office within 15-20 minutes, so there was not much lucid or... Really critical thinking that I was able to do. Okay. So I was sitting in this taxi cab, reeling, you know, trying to figure out what was going to happen to me. And when I arrived at Ridgeview, I was immediately breathalyzed, and my things were confiscated. And then I sat in this little intake room. The walls were bright orange. Gross. It was freezing. <laughs> and I think I waited a total of four to five hours uh, till I got placed somewhere. The case manager who took me in, I guess it was a caseworker, he um, he started to explain the process to me and he told me that it would be seven to 10 days. And you know, I had my parents on speakerphone because they're very far away. And we were like, no, no, we were told one, maybe two nights. I can't afford to miss over a week of school. Okay. And he told me that since I was already there, either,
1: I admit myself, or he would 1013 me. Okay. (laughs) And so, like, my understanding is that the 1013 is a transport document, and that's all it does legally, is, like, allow for law enforcement to take you to a mental health institution. But it sounds like this guy was telling you he was going to 1013 you from within. Within the mental institution, yes. Okay. (laughs) My understanding was, you know, when you're 1013, you become
0: property of the state, or the state can make health decisions for you, so I was completely freaked out, and basically I had nowhere to go, one way or the other, I had to go into Ridgeview, so I decided to go in voluntarily, because I figured I could appeal and be released earlier if it wasn't a mandatory 72-hour waiting period or whatever, Um, it was under the ten thirteen. So, more hours went by, and... So I arrived at Ridgeview around 3.30. I was taken to Cottage C at 9.30. During my intake, the social worker told me that while I should technically be in the women's ward, the Cottage E, that there weren't any beds and he was going to put me in Cottage C. Okay. Cottage C, in case you don't know, is a co-ed facility for adults. Who are mostly recovering from addiction so everything there is tailored for people going through withdrawal or even you know we would share smoke breaks with people who were coming directly from prison and were as they would say criminally insane and so in order to be transported to cottage C I was taken to a restroom and strip searched by two women I uh, I'd forgotten to put on underwear that day, so it was just <laughs> it's like Winnie the Poohing it, trying to cover <laughs> myself, uh,
1: <laughs> which is horrible, but yeah, also very but also funny. hilarious, right? Um.
0: So yeah, they had me hand over everything. They took my hair tie. They took my bracelets, my earrings, shoelaces. I had sandals on, okay. so yes, they took the string out of my sweatpants. Gotcha. Um, they took my backpack. You know, I'd come from class, so I didn't, like, pack anything. And I was then led to the cottage where I had my blood drawn, my urine was collected. I was, again, breathalyzed as if I was going to drink before entering <laughs> and it. And I, um, I was told that my roommate would be somebody who would be my age and have the same issue that I had. I was with a woman who was about 60 and schizophrenic. So, not, not, not really. Not, not remotely. No, similar. not really summer camp right there. No. Um, I was absolutely devastated. I just remember crying the whole time. And there are two prison phones where you can have up to 10 minutes. Um, I just remember calling my mom and just being so upset, but like not wanting to upset her because I was so <laughs> far away. Um, so I then went with one of the intake techs in C, and I received this packet, um, well, really briefly, here's our schedule. And as you can see, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight smoke breaks within a day. Okay. And so those are on like a patio, right? Like I would not call it a patio. Okay. Like, Uh, like, like an enclosed outdoor enclosed outdoor area. There was one tree, and it's all concrete, granite, right. um, high walls. And those were with the other half of Cottage C, who were people okay. who were criminally detained and okay. on much higher security. Um,
1: okay, and so that was your only time outside? Correct. Otherwise, it's like all... Correct, universe. 15 minutes at a time. No exercise or anything like that. Everything was high security. huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like... Like summer camp on paper, lunch, phone calls, mindfulness and meditation. That's not what happened. I will take. You, I will take you to that schedule. Yeah, in, like, and it is not. It sounds very cutesy and workbooks. Right. So just to give
0: you a little background on what review looks like on the inside, you can't close your door. Right. The there are restrooms inside your room, but the door only goes up to like, go down. Goes down to like your knees. Mm-hmm. So if you're in there taking a shower, someone can. Look in, and I guess make sure you haven't killed anyone. Ah, uh. there are no faucets. The water comes out of a hole in the back of the sink mm-hmm. and sprays outward. That way, you can't, I guess, unscrew the faucet and beat somebody with it. Oh, there, the toilets are like public restrooms where there's like an arm that you have to kick down, but there's a special metal contraption dead bolted over it so that you can't, I guess. Dismember it and use it as a weapon. Oh. The company that makes them was called something like Behavioral Control Company or yes. very, <laughs> very prison okay.
1: vibey. Um. And and like is stuff clean at all? Like does it feel sterile like a hospital or is it sort of grungy? A little bit grungy. You can tell the
0: furniture is from like maybe the eighties. Okay. It was so cold. It was absolutely freezing in there all the time. Mm. There was a little break room, common room, I guess, where when I first got there that night, I sat down with another person who was actually wearing a Georgia Tech t-shirt. And I jokingly said, oh, did you get screwed over by counseling too? <laughs> and she goes, yeah, they put me in a cop car. Yeah. I was like, whoa, I got a taxi.
1: <laughs> Are you special?
0: <laughs> um. And, you know, she said this is her third time there. and
1: Her third time, like, being committed by the school?
0: Yes. Okay. And, you know, all you have to do is you, know, you play cards, you smoke, you go to your group therapy, you listen to other people, you know, talk about wanting to do meth. And she said you just, you know, you wait for it to be over. You, you mm. just got to, like, grit your teeth and bear it. And going in, I, I, was, I was pretty optimistic. You know, I thought I could make it through. Right. But the, the other patients there, um, there was one guy who had a, a sling around his arm, so trying to make conversation. I was like, oh, how did you break your arm? He's like, I punched it through a wall during smoke break. <sighs> He's like, I'm so sorry to hear that. And he looks at me, he goes, yeah, I wish it was somebody's face. Uh, <laughs> yes, two nights later, uh, we actually had to go on lockdown because that individual and an individual from the other half of the cottage, uh, got into a physical altercation and we're trying to like claw each other's eyes out. So Great. that was scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're very
1: cavalier about it. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of time to process, I uh-huh. guess. Yeah. So when together this? this was October 17th, 2018. Okay. And
1: So it's really not been that long. It hasn't been that long. I'm, I'm
0: trying to, you know, talk yeah. about it like it was something very long ago. But, yeah, understandably. Yeah, like, it really wasn't. I um, So with when the morning comes, you're awake, awoken at um, 7 a.m. for vitals. And what that means is they take your temperature and your blood pressure. They do that three times a day. Additionally, they have technicians who... They wear red scrubs, and they carry around clipboards. And every 15 minutes, they have to write down what you're doing, whether you're sitting, whether you're standing, whether you're talking to someone. Even at night, you know, I, I would hear mm-hmm. them coming into my room with a flashlight and making sure I was sleeping. And that definitely made me feel like a like a guinea pig in a lab. Sure. Definitely a little unsettling, to be honest. Yeah.
1: Um, and so, like, what are what are they checking for? Because I can't imagine that, like, kids like you who have a panic attack and are sent here are like sleeping well i can't imagine you're eating well like no no i i don't know i don't know if it's a means for
0: release once they see that you are talking to other people enough sure but you know the first night they gave me dinner i didn't eat it i was very upset and from that moment on i got double portions
1: Mm. good for you
0: (laughs) no double portions of shit is still shit so it was it was absolute. Just not appetizing food, sure. especially given where, where we were. No snacks. <laughs> I'm a snacker. I really wanted yeah. some snacks, but there were no snacks. Medicine was distributed three times a day. Um, I take birth control to regulate my period, and I take Escalatopram to try and keep my anxiety sure. controlled. Obviously wasn't working. <laughs> um, being that I was admitted right out of class, I didn't have any of my medicine with me. Oh. So they said, don't worry, we have a pharmacy on campus. And, you know, first morning comes, I go to get my medicine, and they only hand me one pill. And I said, I am supposed to have birth control, too. And they said,
1: oh, you know, we're not allowed to give you that.
0: So on top of that, my cycle got messed up. Oh,
1: my God. And that, like, for all my dudes out there, that is catastrophic, potentially. Like, that is so bad. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. They're not allowed to give it to you because they think you'll have sex with other patients? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know.
0: I don't know if there are religious, maybe, people on the board who might say, you know, nothing. I I don't know. I don't know. Okay. But that was frustrating.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Well, and it's only going to make you feel worse. Exactly. Exactly. Because, like, withdrawals for something like that is, like, no small Mm -mm. thing. Mm mm it's a, it's a pretty serious thing to deny someone. Yeah. Speaking of
0: withdrawal, all of these, you know, therapy, group therapy sessions you see in the schedule were pretty mm-hmm. much just about being on withdrawal from your drug okay. of choice.
1: And is that because
0: you were in Cottage C? I think so. Okay. I think so. So the first day, my first morning there, woken up at 7, didn't get my birth control, got double portions of crap for breakfast. Then was... Um, your focus group or uh group therapy they called it and it's your caseworker and maybe like 15 patients and it was this one woman talked the whole time about how she just wanted to leave and you know thought she should get out and you know wanted to leave and was then threatening the caseworker who was terrified by all of us mind you he was like a little scrawny boy who who looked like
1: (sighs) napoleon dynamite
0: (laughs) (laughs) he he, um yeah he he didn't seem to belong there oh yes here's a good story the um they tried to do icebreakers to you know get us all warmed up so god (laughs) they were you know the caseworker was like Oh, tell us about you know what time in history you'd go back to if you could, and he's like, I'd go back to like medieval times so I could live in a castle, and I was like, I guess I'd go back to Paris in the nineteen twenties because it would be fun and whatnot. And then the guy asked me, goes, you know, I'd go back to 2006 before I got addicted to meth and lost my kids and, and you know, got arrested. And the next woman's like, oh, I'd go back to before my husband cheated on me and I started drinking and then I moved to harder drugs. And from that moment on, they were all <laughs> just going back to a certain year in their lives before, you know, things, oh my God, went to shits.
1: And I was like, I chose wrong. <laughs> Paris in the 1920s sounds pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Comparatively. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, you you very clearly feel like you do not belong here. Did you ever, like, feel like the stuff that they were offering was helpful to you? Absolutely not. Okay. It did no good and only damage. Okay. I do have to say.
0: I am thinking about some of these. So, here you'll see, like, art therapy. Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, like, finger painting? No, it was... This man came in and talked to us, and he had us pair up with a bunch of magazines, and he said, you know, I want you to make a collage out of pictures from the magazine about work, leisure, and, like, fun. Like, just, like, four different
1: categories Mood or boards. Yeah. Mood boards.
0: Mood um, boards. He says, you're not allowed to have scissors, so you're going to have to rip out the pictures with your hands. Here's one glue stick. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, art therapy, they called that. Yeah.
1: Cool. <laughs> So you may remember from John Doe's Ridgeview episode last week that he described a very similar arts and crafts activity, to which I also responded mood board, condescendingly. In revisiting both of these interviews, I think it's not actually important, but still kind of hilarious to point out that while John Doe got safety scissors during his arts and crafts in spring 2017, by fall 2018, Ridgeview had evidently phased out the scissors and replaced it with tearing magazines by hand. This is neither important nor relevant to the rest of the story, but now you know. What's activity therapy mindfulness of music? Did you get to experience that? I did not. I was admitted on a Wednesday night, okay. so I didn't get to uh, okay
0: go to mindfulness be there for of that. music. I I I doubt it was actually mindfulness of music. Oh, one of them was uh, a nutrition seminar, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Yeah, nutrition education. Nutrition group. education. Um, I've completed like a four thousand level nutrition class here at Tech, <laughs> and let me tell you, this guy was not saying the right stuff. Oh no, no, he was. He was like a billion years old, first of all, and oh yes, he was telling us about the food pyramid, which Mm. um, hasn't been used by since like two thousand eight. Exactly, exactly. It's now like the the the, my plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is is what? Anyways, and then you know about halfway in, somebody interrupted him, and then she was singing, and, and then somebody went on a tangent about how she thinks that like. Drug addicts are just, like, making excuses, and it was just a really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. sort of uh, to-do. So by that night, I had naturally been wearing the same clothes for over a day, still no underwear, and I went to the nurse's station. I was like, help, please. (laughs) So they got me some paper scrubs. That were men's XXL, so I literally looked like straight out of *One Flew Into the Cuckoo's Nest*. Like (laughs) cliche, cliche. Uh Everyone is just playing cards and drinking coffee, and and miserable. Like what you imagine, or what it is portrayed in old movies, or or almost ironically in in modern times.
1: It's it's true. That's what it is. Do you think that you might have had? a better experience if you had started out in the women's cottage or like, is it just like maybe across the board, not catered to what you needed? Maybe.
0: Okay. Um, but by the time I got to the women's cottage, I was so traumatized that there was just, there was nothing to be done, um, to help me. The women's cottage was, was a lot smaller, a lot warmer. The staff was much more attentive Hmm. They let you keep your toiletries in your room. Um, wow! I was I was given toiletries when I came in, and I'm sorry, toiletries means like one little bottle of shampoo, one little bottle of mouthwash, and deodorant, it's and It's something. Yeah. It's something. It's something. But you're not allowed to have access to it. Mm-hmm. So the nurses will lock it up when you're not showering. So you have to. You're only allowed to take a shower when you ask a nurse. And gotcha. Then, it was just, It was really little things like that. Honestly, not even little. It was a lot of big things that made me feel. Like, I was under arrest. Like, I was in prison. Like, I had done something so horribly wrong. And the women's cottage, you know, I felt a lot less like I was a criminal. Mm -hmm. But even then, it was... There was nothing I could get from it because I I still didn't have freedom. I didn't have my phone. I didn't have, (laughs) you know, my laptop. And
1: and I couldn't do the things that I needed to do. And I just... Well, yeah, and once you're... You know, back in your body after a panic attack, like you're then worried again about all the stuff you're missing yeah. and and the people you are worrying. Absolutely, you no, know, like absolutely.
0: You know, friends and family can visit you once a week.
1: Yeah, Saturday visitations from two thirty to three thirty. Okay, that's a small window. Yeah. And your family is out of state, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And you said
0: that your boyfriend did come, though. He did come. He okay. came the night I was admitted while I was just waiting in a room for a bed. He came. Okay. <sighs> he walked into the room. I was like, please don't break up with me. Oh. <laughs> it's like, You're dating a crazy person now. Oh. Um, He was so amazing. He made me laugh. He made me... He took my mind off of things, and he was like, you know, maybe you're going to get something out of this, you know, like really go in here with an open mind and try and, try and be better, you know, managing your anxiety, try and, you know, try and really like grow from this. So it's not like I went in thinking like, you know, this was going right. to be hell on earth. I I actually did go in, you know, kind of thinking, okay, it's like yeah. summer camp for, for loonies, I guess. <laughs> um, you gave it a fair shot. I really tried. So I would call him every day on the, smoke-filled payphones that they had, mm -hmm. you know, for 10 minutes at a time. Um, You know, he's he's a tech student, too, so he's got, he had a lot on his plate, too, and I was really not trying to mm -hmm, let him know how how mortifying
1: it was, but it was... And were you doing the same with your parents, like, trying to... I was a little more
0: forward with my parents because, you know, the moment I got admitted, they got in contact with the dean. Okay. And basically, the dean said, you know, there's nothing we can do on our end, it's all up to Ridgeview. So I filed a form 710, 1010, form 1010, as soon as I got there, Mm -hmm. which was a request for um, release, which you can do if you are voluntarily admitted. And I handed it to the nurse and she said, it's going to take 72 hours to process this. And then the doctor can still say no. So that's how they get you. Even if the moment you get in, you ask to get out it takes three days for them to tell you yes or
1: no and Mm -hmm. and they'll say no is that the maximum window like is there wiggle room where you could get that processed earlier or did she say like it's going to take three days that's what she said okay
0: um and and i was asking everyone you know that really like would would talk to me that were staff Mm -hmm. and i was like how soon can i get out of here and they're like we've we'd never see anyone leave before five days okay and and being in there and really trying to talk with the people that I was with. I remember I was talking to this one guy. He um, he couldn't move his his one hand because he had slit his wrist so many times oh. that it had affected the nerves. And he's like, I've been in this place so many times. I've been in so many of these places. I know you don't belong here. I really wish I had never met you.
1: And that kind of kind of hit home. No. I was
0: like, <laughs> "Like even they know I shouldn't be here. Right.
1: Well, yeah, because let's be real for a second. The people tech it sends there are scared kids. Yeah. Like, just very scared kids yeah. who probably have never encountered something like this before, or have, like, very possibly family out of state that they have Absolutely. to, like... Absolutely. Calm down. <laughs> um, and, and so at what points did your parents decide to come down here? It was Friday,
0: so two days after I'd been admitted. Okay. And... Georgia Tech Counseling, they were on the phone with them. They said, okay, we'll we'll try and get her out by night. And then my case manager said no at Ridgeview. So that meant, he said, okay, well, maybe, you know, not today. We'll try again Monday because we were going into the weekend and the doctors go home on the weekend. And So, hang on, Counseling
1: asked them to let you out.
0: Right. We were advised for them to let me out, I guess. Okay. And then... So tech can do something then, right? No, because then well, I was on the phone with counseling, they're like, you know, we, we, we tried, but, you know, it's in their hands now. Okay. So oh, okay. when... So they can, like, advocate on your behalf, but it's not... They can. I don't know how, how much they did, but okay. it was... So
1: yeah. When they tell you that you... When the Ridgeview people tell you, you're not... We're not releasing you. Do they say why? Like, you know, we don't think you're stable enough yet? You get 10
0: minutes every morning with your psychiatrist Okay. coming in. They're like, oh, he'll talk to a doctor every day. No, it's, it's speed dating with a doctor. <laughs> and within this 10-minute conversation, he's supposed to decide what, whether to put you on more medications, you know, how to hold you, whether to tranquilize you even. And then it comes down to the case manager, and the case manager couldn't, wasn't getting calls back from the doctor. So my parents were calling the case manager. They were calling the doctor. They were calling the dean. They were calling counseling center. And by Friday afternoon, I, I was on the phone with them, and I told them that there was no way I could stay there through the weekend. Right. So finally, the case manager gave in that night and moved me over to the women's cottage. Okay. And either way, my, my parents said, you know, this is, this is just doing way too much damage. So they got in the car, and they drove through the night. And... Saturday afternoon, they annoyed my doctor enough that you know he he said, "I'll let you go," even though you know I shouldn't be letting you go.
1: Hmm.
0: Even though I had shown no signs of.
1: Yeah, what on earth does that mean? I I don't know. I don't know. That was Christine, a student at Tech. Next week, you'll hear more about her experience leaving Ridgeview, including what it was like to jump through the bureaucratic hoops necessary to come back to school. That'll be hitting your feeds next Friday, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm also going to recommend that you keep an eye on Tech's student newspaper, The Technique. I've been working with them on a statistical journalism project about Ridgeview and Tech that I am already so, so proud of and I can't wait to show you. More on that, hopefully, very, very soon. Until next time, I'm Maura Curry. Have a great week.